This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, Head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. They, you know, had this news agent, long hours that they'd put into that. They showed us what hard graph was with the hours and working in the shop. And we were very fortunate. And I think from that, we just realized that actually they're working this hard for us and to give us this education. So that like instilled the values in us to work hard and achieve something. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. We've often talked on this podcast about how our upbringing shapes our attitudes to work, ambition and success. Mira Patel's parents ran a newsagent and she started working in the shop at an early age before forging a successful career in HR. Mira understands the value of hard work and determination in building a business, that is for sure. She stepped away from the HR world to train in neuro-linguistic programming and she founded her company Prana Coaching in 2019. She now specialises in coaching young people through their teenage years, equipping them with the tools and skills they need to navigate the modern world. It's an underserved area with a huge need. Mira is one of the most accomplished women that I know, seamlessly managing her business, motherhood, a house build, fundraising challenges galore and organising huge events for the Gujarati Cultural Society in Brighton. She is quite the tour de force and one of the kindest people you could hope to meet. So you are currently in Lewis in Sussex. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your early life, Mira, where you grew up, about your family and what your dreams and aspirations were when you were a little girl? Yeah, so I grew up, um, so I was born in Kingston upon Thames and then my parents moved down to Lewis when I was about six months old. So yeah, about 40 years ago now um, and lived there to university when I went to university at 18 and um yep then went back for about two three years and then got married and moved to Brighton Hove but yeah Lewis is it's such a beautiful town I was very blessed to grow up there very small very historic 
Um, and my parents owned a news agency there. So we were very fortunate to just get to know the community. Um, and it was, yeah, great. I mean, I loved growing up there. I still go back there daily um, because my kids go to school there now. So I've, yeah, it's just, there's a deep fondness and love for it. And um, I just, yeah, totally feel blessed for growing up there. And tell me about your parents, because um, you, you and I have discussed before about the fact that they were very encouraging of you, that they've given you loads of freedoms and encouraged you in your your journey of, through your career. Tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, so my parents, um, my mum uh, was born in Uganda. Um, my dad was born in uh, Nairobi. And then they got married in India. And my dad and mum moved over to England. And so they grew up here and, you know, culturally they just adjusted and really set the scene for me and my brother and our future, really. So they, you know, had this news agent, you know, long hours that they'd put into that. They showed us, you know, that what hard graft was, you know, with the hours and working in the shop. And we were very fortunate, you know, my brother and I just saw that they worked hard and um, we were blessed that, you know, they put us through private school, but we saw how hard they worked to give us that. Um, and I think from that, me and um, my brother just, we just realised that actually, you know, they're working this hard for us and to give us, you know, this education. So we really, that kind of gave us the, like instilled the values in us to work hard and achieve something. Um, but the benefit and bonus for me is that my dad was very much, he was very open to things. So he just basically said to me his advice. And I think that's what echoed in my life and made me do what I do is that he just said, look, I am working hard to, um, you know, put you through your education because I want to, um, and I want you to just make whatever you can make of it. And if you don't make anything, then this shop is here for you to run. Um, and you know that really kind of really landed with me so I really carried that forward of like yeah you know there wasn't anything wrong with working um, you know in a shop or anything like that but it was like I had this opportunity and my dad my parents presented us with this opportunity to you know kind of one life to live and make the most of it and so that's what I did I literally um, put my mind to it and studied and got through you know um my GCSEs and my A-levels and went to university. What were the kind of early experiences of being in and around the shop? What do you think they they taught you about life? Because I, I was actually having this discussion funnily enough earlier on this podcast about the experience of working in service as a young person, the sort of life lessons that come from from working in a service capacity in your first role, what did you pick up from being in and around the shop, presumably from quite a young age? Like you said, your parents were working long hours and stuff. Did you, what did you feel you learned from that? Oh, lots. I mean, so many things that have like really kind of stayed with me um, through my, um, you know, childhood and adult life. So, you know, the customer facing role, you know, we were, that was our thing where at the weekends or I'd come home from school and then, you know, my parents would be like, can you just work in the shop for a bit? So you you constantly, you know, building rapport and relations with people. And, you know, these, uh, a lot of these customers had like watched me grow up from a child to like, you know, adult. And even now, some of those that are still alive. But I remember there's like one lady that would come to the shop and anytime I would serve her, I would have to count the change out to her. And so, you know, in that, it's like, I remember going to school and my maths lessons and remembering, oh yeah, you know what, if um, 
that something cost six pounds 66 then you know and they gave me 10 pounds you know I was on it it like you know <laughs> those things just stayed with me and at the time I remember when she'd make me count out I was like oh she's coming in now so I'm gonna count out the change but actually you know what when you got to school you actually realized that that was a life learning lesson that I, I'm you know I was in that capacity that I was um taught that from such a young age and at, in the, within the school environment that helped me thrive and actually so often we talk about maths and other lessons in school not being terribly practical but actually those kind of practical lessons around money and around the value of work I think are really important my husband's family are the same like they had restaurants and shops and worked really hard really long hours and you know kind of but you understand the value of, of what that means in terms of providing for you as a child. I think that's such a valuable life lesson to have at an early age, isn't it? Hugely, hugely. And then, yeah, and as you said, like, there's just so much that comes with it. And I, yeah, I'm so grateful when I look back on those lessons that I've, you know, been able to learn. Definitely. So you went off to study HR at uni. Um, how did you decide that working in human resources was going to be your career path, Mira? What was it that attracted you to that? Well, just before that, I'd actually, um, something that's just come to light recently, and I'd kind of like blocked it out. I actually decided um, when I was doing my A-levels, I wanted to do food science and nutrition and kind of go into that um, because food had always been a passion and I'd gone for my open days you know went and found a course at Oxford Brooks and you know started it and then a few weeks in I just realized that this is not for me it was so sciencey um and I realized that I I, I don't want to do this anymore so I made this decision to kind of um take the year out and you know stop that course and at that time it was such a huge huge decision because I was like what am I going to do? And, you know, all that, like, the negative self-talk comes in where you feel like a failure, etc. But anyway, I made that decision. I came home. I took the rest of the year off. And it was during that time when I'd actually gone back to my school and spoke to my teachers. And I was, you know, reassessing it all. And I realized business and HR was what I really wanted to do. And I guess that stems a bit from you know, if I look back from my parents' background and having their business and it all just interlinked and I was able to um, resubmit an application and get in, uh, my UCAS points, etc. And I then went to Westminster to study business and HR. So that's how that avenue came up. It's interesting to talk about that, though, because actually I think acknowledging at 18 that you've made the wrong decision I think is a very hard thing to do because I look back at myself at that age and I was like a freaking bull in a china shop. Nobody could tell me that I was wrong. And I certainly wasn't about to acknowledge myself that I was wrong at any point because you think you know everything, don't you? But like, <laughs> definitely. how did you kind of come to that decision? Or uh, did we, you know, were you, were you calm about taking that step? Was that a huge monumental decision for you? Or how did that come about? It was a huge decision because I had, you know, again, going back to, um, the family and you know it did like all those questions come into play of like I've let my parents down or you know and I felt like failure etc but I realized I just wasn't happy and I you know I really I think from a quite an early age I've realized that I if I can put my mind to it and I'm happy doing something I will excel and I think I realized at that point that I had made a huge error like you know um signing up for this course and I realized that I could keep going but I wouldn't be happy. Therefore, I knew that I just wouldn't excel in it. And then whether I, I guess at that time, whether it's like, 
I feel like a failure now or I feel like it later. I don't know. It was that dilemma um, and that crossroads. So I just had to do something about it. And I guess when I look back, it was that, you know, that the fear or the anxiety around it. I just had to acknowledge it and realise that, you know, accepting that it wasn't for me, but, you know, this wasn't the end of it. Like there's there were options that I could look into. And I was blessed that, you know, I had the support of my family. Um, my parents were really you know, they were like, it's fine. Like, you know, let's come home and let's talk about it and let's work through it. And then, you know, that's how I then took the next step to go into HR. It's great to hear about that kind of resilience because actually sometimes at 18 or 19 years old, those kind of disappointments can lead to, you know, really quite long lasting disillusionment and people feeling a bit paralyzed about what decision to take next. But it's great to hear that you were able to, to, reevaluate and and bounce back really um so you went off to uni to do business and, and hr how did you kind of enter the world of work thereafter mirror and where did your career take you after university so yeah so um went to university had you know the best time of my life I honestly was the best time of my life um and you know if I could go for it again I would but you know <laughs> we are here so as I came through that um you know it is that fit you know you have the best time then you're like oh, okay now it's the working world like what's going to happen so I did the usual loads of applications and I was very fortunate to get into a big company down here in Sussex American Express um who were based down in here and I got my first contract role with them. And that's where my journey kind of started. And that was kind of on the recruitment administration side. And I was very blessed to have um, a boss that was, you know, she knew that I would just come out fresh year of university and that she wanted to give me exposure to as much um, of the HR side as I could. And so that just gave me that stepping stone. And I did um, about a year or so there and it just um, gave me because, you know, sometimes with courses you come out and you have a year's experience. And this was my first, you know, I'd done the practical and the theory side within my course, but I didn't have, you know, I hadn't worked over the summer. I hadn't had any experience in HR, but this um, first role gave me that stepping stone. And I'm, yeah, totally grateful. And we talk about mentors a lot on this podcast, actually, and I, I'm a really big um, advocate of people having a mentor, whether formally inf- or informally. And it sounds like your first boss gently mentored you and kind of steered you in the right direction. Have you had other mentors in your career over the last few years, Men- Mira, who've like played a role in, in that side of things? Hugely. I've had, you know, to be fair, I think I've had a few mentors, um, you know, and they all bring different things towards me. And it's, I, I feel very fortunate with that. And they, you know, are very approachable. And I do go back to my mentors quite a lot. You know, a, a dilemma's coming up or, you know, what's that next step? You know, I will do that and go back and find the information, you know, and talk to them openly because communication um, is key. And it's, you know, having those open discussions, I think, is so beneficial. Um, and, you know, a number of times your mentors and your guide, those that guide you have been through something similar, if not, and they can give you their font of knowledge. And how have you gone about finding those people or if they kind of come to you quite organically? Yeah, mine have come to me quite organically. So, you know, I've got um, on the like I have a few people on the energy side. Um, and, you know, I've got a really close friend who's a crystal healer um, and she is phenomenal in her knowledge and she's guided me a lot through some of my experiences in life 
Um, and um, obviously I have a coach now that we work with in, in the group coaching side of things, um, Poppy, who has within the last year and a half of um, lockdown has made some phenomenal shifts for me and given me some great advice for me to be able to, you know, do the current work that I'm doing now. So I, yeah, I feel like, you know, I've been blessed with mentors that have just, you know, come into my life at certain times, but at those times when I've really needed someone. Mm. And tell me, have you asked people sort of, and you know, it's a bit like asking people to be your boyfriend, isn't it? Or girlfriend, uh, you know, have you sort of said, will you be my mentor? Or have you just kind of leaned gently on those people as and when you've needed the mirror? Because I think people who haven't had many mentors or, you know, might be a bit younger and looking for a mentor potentially. I think there's a bit of a, it can be really scary to approach people, can't it? To say, will you be my mentor? How have you approached that? Have you done that more formally or a bit more informally? Mine's been informally. Um, but as I said, like it just it's just organically happened. But I think you're so right. It can be so daunting to, you know, you find someone in an area that you're in or, you know, and to go up to approach them. But I think, Actually, you know, I look at it that actually a lot of people realize that, you know, people do need help and guidance and they're, they are open to it. So I think it's worth always asking. Like if you don't, I, I'm a big believer, if you don't ask, you don't know or you don't get. OK. And so I think it's really, you know, like if I look at me, I've got a lot of youngsters within the work that I'm doing now. And I realized that, yeah, over the last few months, even more so um, that I've kind of, I guess, become just involved into their mentors um and i i think it's so beneficial and some of them have directly come to me um and said could you just help me out on this or guide me on that um but i look back at mine i was you know best that it happened organically but i i would advise anyone that if you feel like you want reach out because you 100 percent of the time i think people will be glad to help Mm, I would definitely second that and I have asked one or two people in life to be my mentors and they have all said yes so nobody's actually said no and if anyone wants any help with that then do just get in touch with us through social media and we can we can definitely give you some tips and guides to getting a mentor um I love mentoring people myself as does Mira so we can definitely give you a hand with that so um how did your career progress from American Express Mira um talk us through building your career in HR and then your decision eventually to step away from that? So with me, HR just, it did, my journey just evolved. And I um, realised quite early on that I wanted to go into generalist HR. I didn't want to be pigeonholed into a, you know, a specialist area. Um, and I, I took on a lot of contract roles at the beginning. And I think when I look back, that was, um, such benefit to me because it gave me exposure to different companies and I had little stints where I picked up a lot within the times that I was there so I yeah I wrote one um I then went on after a couple of um, short-term roles to Virgin Holidays um which was one of my yeah one of my probably my favorite job roles um because the vibe of the company the culture it was you know it was when it was at its peak and it was such a I learned so much and again I picked up um I met one of my mentors there and that's when I was kind of at um a crossroads I'd been in HR for quite a while I you know was then thinking whether I should stay in HR or branch out. And that's when I had a chat with one of the learning and development managers there, who's actually a really close friend of mine. And um, 
he just said to me, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, not 100%, not really, you know, I've probably done it in bits of my job roles, um, you know, along the way, but I've never really kind of looked into it. So he said, right, okay, there's this course in London. It's a two, three-day course. Why don't you go on it and see what you think? And he, he prepped me well. He said, you know, the first day, first and second day are just, you know, bits of nuggets of information. The final day is the hard sell for you to buy onto their courses, but just go with an open mind. And so I went along like completely, you know, nothing. I had no judgment, prejudgments in my head, went along and absolutely loved it. Like the second day I was immersed in it. I was meeting people. It was, you know, I could see myself doing it, but I remember what he said and said, you know, just kind of go with it. So the Sunday, the hard sell came and I was like, normally I'd go put my credit card over and sign up but I I held off and I came back to work and I spoke to him and I was buzzing I literally I knew the courses I wanted to do and I kind of just sat with it for a bit and I think that was like in the October of that year and um um went into December you know you get into like the the thing of the new year's coming up what am I like plans and goals for the year and that's when I realized yeah coaching's the way forward for me so I signed up for a coaching diploma and uh neuro-linguistic programming and that's where my coaching journey began we're going to come on to all of that in a moment but I was just going to reflect back a little bit from there um so working for a company like Virgin I, I love that Richard Branson obviously you know super famous entrepreneur um but he said he I love the phrase that he used which uses which is um you should train your people well enough so that they're good enough to leave and treat them well enough so they don't want to which I think is an excellent um mantra for anyone running a business did you get a lot of support um you know with the businesses you were in Amex and and others and and subsequently Virgin big corporates you know had you had a lot of training had you had experience of coaching yourself um at work because I know some people who work in big companies get a lot of exposure to that kind of thing. What was your experience of coaching before you went to 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 look into it yourself? Had you had any? I probably if I, you know, when you reflect back, I think I had bits of, you know, little nuggets of it. It wasn't full on coaching, but you know, like we spoke about previously uh, just shortly uh, about mentors. I, you know, there were the go-to people that you could go to and chat things through. And actually they were equipped with, I guess, you know, coaching skills. And I, I remember at Virgin Holiday, one of my big things that I learned there was assertiveness. And I worked with one of the managers there and we really spent some time because that's what I kind of, that was a skill that I needed to really hone in and double down on. And, um, Yes. Yeah, so if I look back, I guess at Virgin Holidays, there was, a, you know, there were forms of coaching going on. It was probably more informally um, than a formal setup, but it was available. Um, you know, they had a big L&D team that, you know, you could go to and um, things could be put in place quite easily. And they were very open to being trained up and given, you know, any skills that were lacking. Um, there were solutions and options in place. Mm, that's so encouraging to hear um so tell me about NLP for anyone who doesn't know about that um it's obviously become an integral part of your coaching offering and as part of your training um for anyone who hasn't heard of neuro-linguistic you have to wrap your tongue around that one neuro-linguistic <laughs> no, programming um, tell us a little bit about that mirror and what it's all about 
So neurolinguistic programming, NLP, um, shorter version, um, is about the brain and your emotions and your behaviour and your body language and rewiring because we're all wired quite from an early age. And I absolutely, it's, you know, the go-to thing that I use with a lot of my clients, especially more so now than ever. Um, But really going back, like some of the work takes us back through like timeline therapies and really looking at triggers and you know, a client will come to me and we'll work on a certain issue and we realize that actually this is not the first time that it's come up for them. And so with NLP, the beauty of it, with the tools and techniques that are in place, you can, you know, use timeline therapy and actually get back and find the trigger points of when all these like um, things that are coming up and are now started. So you really then put it to bed. Um, it's also about your behavior, your body language, um, fears and phobias. You can cure, you know, you can work on things and like track things back um, and, you know, prevent someone from taking that forward into their future life. So they can actually face it, deal with it and then move forward knowing that actually they've worked on it as opposed for it to keep coming up. Um, and NLP is also about the rewiring of the brain because, like I said earlier, you know, as a child, we we learned so many things and it's just ingrained with us. And, you know, you take those, you know, whether it's negativity, like the negative thoughts and negative chatter and it becomes ingrained into you, you know, such as I'm not enough or I can't do this. But, you know, we can flip the story and we can change that mindset. So it's all about the brain and rewiring it into, you know, a positive, um, a positive reframing um, and taking that forward. Mm. And where is the line, Mira, between coaching using techniques like NLP and, and more traditional therapy? Because I think when some people would listen to this, when you're talking about rewiring, looking back, childhood experiences, traumas potentially, where do you kind of make the distinction between those two things? So it, it, it is, you know, there are so many therapies, aren't there, out there, like coaching, you know, uh, but sorry, counselling, etc. So f- it, I guess it depends. So, you know, there's this line of, you know, with, where you have mentoring, which is more, you know, the talking about it and you're talking to the person. Coaching, I think, falls in between, um, you know, where it's a lot, it's a two-way relationship where, you know, you try and draw out the answers from your client through your modes of questioning but also them coming out with stuff you know coming out with the information themselves freely as well so I I think it really varies because my form of coaching I don't stick to the traditional kind of you know techniques and things like that because I put my own twist on it so I I guess for me I probably do coaching and mentoring and like amalgamate them into into uh, together um, and tie them in together and then bring in my tools and techniques you know from NLP um, like my personality profiling and bring a mixture into it and then you know soon I'm hope you know I'm going to add uh, emotional freedom technique onto it as well but I love the beauty of um, the things that that are out there is they all link nicely together so I don't think you know some people have different viewpoints on it Whereas I feel that it's it's great that they can link together and you can pull in from different um, different therapies and link them into uh, however you feel that you want it. and however best works for the client, I think, as well. 
And you mentioned emotional freedom technique there, EFT, which is also known as tapping. Um, It's having a boom right now. Um, (laughs) I have heard about this all over the place. It's been in the press, women's magazines. Um, I mean, I first heard of tapping about 10 years ago. I had a friend and she um, had some tapping therapy when we both lived in Australia to deal with um, kind of stresses and anxieties at work. She was somebody who placed a lot of pressure on herself as an A&E doctor, incredibly stressful job. Um, And she really benefited from that. And then I heard nothing about it for 10 years. And suddenly it has cropped up again and seems to be everywhere at the moment. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about EFT Mirror? What is it? What does it do? For anyone that doesn't know about it, um, give us a flavor. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, You're so right. I feel that, I mean, my first exposure to it probably was maybe five years ago I'd kind of heard the terminology and then again didn't think anything of it and then in this last year and a half it is you know it's come at me like and it's just presented itself in so many ways that it's like it was just a no-brainer um not to do it and not to train in it and it's been hugely beneficial for myself um and that's you know that's very much one of my big kind of values like if something works and I've tried and I've tested it and I think it brings value, then, you know, it's something I'm going to try and do and then offer it to my clients. Um, so EFT is, you know, it's energy, it's tapping on your chakra points and, you know, all down your body. There's various ways of doing it. Everyone has, you know, there's, there are different um, techniques of doing it. Um, I'm, you know, learning. I've yeah, literally on my last day of training for it. And um, this Saturday, and it has been life, as I said, life changing for me. And it does work on, I, I mean, I would say there's nothing that it can't work on. And I'm having phenomenal shifts that I'm, you know, with my clients at the moment that I'm um, using as my kind of guinea pigs to train on. And it works on cravings, it works on deep trauma. And it, the beauty of it is you can go as deep as you want to into it. Um, it grounds you, calms you, sleep um their anxiety it helps with all like you you know your general mental well-being um gentle general you know it can work on like I said um for mental health on anxiety and depression trauma OCDs so it there's huge amounts of benefit and also with EFT um it can reduce the cortisol levels within your body by up to 43 percent and you know that is for as a statistic I mean when I read that you know up to 43 percent it's you know compared to some of the other um therapies out there that is um I thought it's phenomenal and when you do EFT you could have an hour's session or 45 minute session and that will continue to work through your body for the next 48 hours so it's you know it's still doing its work throughout um so the benefits are huge yeah, and I def I would agree with that. And I as definitely someone who has practiced EFT, not to the same degree as Mirror, obviously, but um have found it massively beneficial for sleep. And I think it's really easy to be skeptical. And I would definitely describe myself as someone who is quite skeptical of things in general. Anything where we talked about kind of energies and that I would be like, it's a bit woo-woo. Actually, do you know what? It really does work. And I have really found the benefits of that in terms of sleeping, uh, definitely for sure. Um, and also just in general for motivation, um, for reducing stress, etc. I think it's such a beneficial thing. Um, I think it's going to be huge. And I think it's a really interesting, very straightforward 
very accessible technique that is definitely going to become more prevalent in the next few years. Definitely. Um, so you are pivoting your business slightly at the moment, Mira, to focus on working with teenagers yes. in particular. Um, why have you chosen them as a demographic and, and what attracts you to working with young people in particular? For me, I think it started off with um, I have a 13 year old daughter. And I think over the last few years, I've just realized, you know, with the change um, and things she's growing, it's, you know, I think, you know, as a mum, I was just kind of coaching her through things. And I realized that actually there is that age group. They they need that guidance. They need someone to reach out to. And it's not always that, you know, that they want to go to their parents and actually there is so much that they're facing now than, you know, when I look back at my life as a teenager and growing up, it's very, very different um, to the pressures that they have now. And especially with social media um, and, you know, the environments that are in and friendship groups, etc. So for me, I just felt like, you know, I know um, I love helping people, love making shifts and changes. And I, you know, as a life coach and a transformation coach and make, I was making those shifts and changes with my adult clients. And actually, you know, I had the exposure to work with some younger children with some of the courses that I run. So the girl life empowerment process where um, program, where we look at um, life skills, just general life skills that can aid, you know, the children growing up. So gratitude, you know, meditation, confidence, um, and so many more, um, skills that we work on that I just felt that that age group just needed um, some guidance and for me it was just felt as a no-brainer that I had um, a skill set that I could transfer to that age group and actually build rapport with them and I noticed as well for me it was just easy to like relate to them and they would you know relate to me and you know I had parents at school saying oh could you talk to my child about this and I realized actually it just it was a natural like in that that happened and it presented itself and I realized that actually this is an area that I could focus on. I'm kind of constantly amazed at the amount of pressure that teenagers are under these days and I think you're really right to uh, to identify that as a niche uh, that needs filling because actually teachers can't do everything schools can't do everything like you say parents nobody kid wants to talk to their parents really when they're a teenager like they're the last person you want to talk to you know and actually being a teenager is shit isn't it you know it's hard and rubbish and there's hormones and it's difficult enough as it is without all of the added pressures of of the modern world um what sort of shifts are you are you seeing in in the kids that you're well I shouldn't say kids with the young people that you're you're working with Mira so a lot of it is motivation, but a lot of it is confidence and self-love, how they, um, you know, that's a bit that I think really does get to me when I work with the younger groups, because I realise that the self-love is not there. And, you know, they're rooting, you know, they'll look at social media and they're following all these people and they, they're really buying into that. But actually, let's strip it back. And, you know, you talk to them and, you, re- I, you know, some one of the questions I ask is, you know, do you show yourself some self-love? Like, how would you show them? And they struggle because they, you know, they don't know how to do it and they don't know how to be their own cheerleader or their own BFF. And it's actually taking it back to that level where they need to 
know that self-talk that they can say I love you and feel confident saying it and so you know um I do it with my adults where you know we do some mirror work and I do the same with the you know the younger age group as well and you know and I get them to sit in front of a mirror and say to themselves that they you know I love I love you and they say it three times and I always say to them the first time it will be difficult the second time it will you know slightly get easier third time you you've you, you've got this and it does and they come back and when they come back and they're like I did it and I'm like see you can do it but it's bringing instilling that self-love and confidence back into them so then they can go out into the wider world and you know um go on their journey feeling confident and equipped Oh, so powerful. So lovely to hear. And I could kind of imagine the the benefits that you're bringing to, I mean, I think particularly teenage girls. I mean, teenage boys have a lot of freshers too, but I think everything around body image and eating and clothes and fashion and skin and beauty and all of those things pile on top of you when you're a teenage girl. I mean, to a lesser extent, teenage boys, but I think it's it's incredible to hear you, to hear you working with them in that way mirror and I'm sure that the results are really telling themselves so definitely if anyone has teenagers then uh, Mira is your woman and um where are you looking to go this year Mira like what's coming up for you at Prana I haven't actually said the name of your company yet Mira's company is called Prana Coaching um I will link to that in the show notes and I will link uh, Mira's social media handles etc so you can find her um what's on the agenda for you coming up and, and what are your kind of big dreams for Prana so yeah, so for for me, I mean, I had obviously with Prana, come, like with many of us, you know, lockdown kind of hit us, and like for me, I had to take a step back because I was homeschooling. Um, but now we're coming out the other end. It's yeah, full on focus on Prana. So you know, upscaling it, up leveling. So I'm um, I've just launched a, a Line and Thrive program for specifically for teenagers. Um, I have um, my Girl Life program, which is for girls aged 5 to 12. So that's, you know, all happening there in the background. But the Align and Thrive um, program is something that I recently launched. And I want to take that into schools and, you know, into more environments where I feel that, you know, it's needed. Um, So I'm looking to push that um, more and more. And it's something that I absolutely love um, doing, as we spoke about. Um, I'm looking, I am literally in the process of kind of um, launching a prana wellness range. So it's going to, so watch this space. There's going to be things, you know, um, happening there. And um, as we go through, um, I'm working on launching a prana collective as well. So, you know, a coaching kind of unit vessel for, you know, a group of like-minded people and um, work on a group coaching program because, Prior to lockdown, I had run my first retreat. Um, at the moment, it's all a bit up in the air. So these are my, you know, kind of avenues and um, directions that I'm that I'm being led to go into, and I'm really excited about it. You're a woman who just has so many things going on at any <laughs> one time. I'm constantly amazed by you. Um, you know, I you are really involved in your community in Sussex, um, not just fundraising, but in the Indian community as well with celebrations for Diwali and lots of the festivals. Can you tell us a little bit about your community work as well, Mira? Because I know you seem to have fingers in every pie going and I'm just always wowed by women who seem to be able to juggle so many things, particularly when you've got two children (laughs) and you've just built a house. You know what? I 
think it's very much ingrained. It, it's definitely who I am. I've tried to kind of calm it down, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't give me that buzz. So I'm part of, yes, a big Indian community that, uh, down here, part of the Gujarati Cultural Society, and I'm on the committee. Um, so we have um, nearly 600 uh, members and we're, you know, it's um, throughout the year, we will organise big events like our Diwali event is a minimum of 500 people normally each year. Um, it could go over. We just need to source a bigger venue. So there's, you know, I, I love giving back. And, you know, the reason I'm part of that is because my grandfather-in-law set that up when he moved to Brighton 50 years ago. Basically, he set that up. He was one of the founding members. And, you know, as I've had children, I want to, you know, keep the cultural side going and so I volunteer for it and um, I run the events with uh, event side with a team and we look to run a number of events throughout the year Um, but for me it's about giving back and working with the community Um, so that's huge and I yeah I'm always looking for something to do. Yeah, well, there's always seems to be plenty on your plenty on your plate. That is for sure. So I always just throw the the floor open at the the end of all of my conversations, just to say, is there anything else pertinent or important with regard to your career or the careers of younger women coming behind you that that you think is um, we haven't discussed that you might want to touch on advice or anything else, Mira, as well. So for me, the advice that I would just give is, you know, be open, communicate. I mean, communication is key speak to mentors like we touched on get advice because actually these people have had first-hand experiences and they can really give you you know that information that you you may miss like if you um just go with you know what you want to do but I really do believe speaking to your mentors or speaking to someone that's in that field um can give you the best advice and you know, that would be my advice because I was very blessed to have a number of people, like I said, my family members, but I did have mentors that guided me. And there was times when actually there were things that I hadn't quite thought about, but actually because they'd had the first-hand exposure to the industries and, you know, and different jobs, I was able to pick up bits that I would then take forward into my career. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.